starters at the bar! You right there, fellas? What are we having, then? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, um, I'll have a single measure, please. And, Rob, it's on me. What would you like? Oh, cheers, Cam. Uh, I think I'll get a double measure, please. Okay, I do apologise. I'm slightly new here. Um, what do you get in that single measure? Yeah, I've not seen you here before. Um, okay, so the single measure, uh, which I, this is why I'm going to have it, because I love it. Okay, yeah, so you get access to the last orders after show. 10% off all merch in the store and also access to exclusive Patreon feed posts. And what do you get in your double measure there, Rob? Well, actually, interesting. You get all of that, what Cam's having in his single measure, but you also get access to the extended guest interviews. So wow. for Ooh. £5, that's that's a real steal, yeah, actually. Because I know the cost is, is £2.50 uh, for the single measure there, Cam, and it's £5 for the double measure there, Rob. Yeah, I think the double measures is really good value, that, doesn't I think, it? Do you know what? I think I might treat myself. I think I might go for the double measure as well. Look, you know what, Barman? We'll have two double measures, please. Two double measures coming up. That's right, guys. We're taking the photography bar to the next level. And starting in May, we're going to have exclusive content arriving on Patreon. So make sure you sign up at the start of May, uh, ready for this exclusive content that's coming your way. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Photography Bar. It's myself, Rob. We've got Cam. We've got Mark. And as a special guest on the show today, we've got uh, Terry Jones of the Societies. Terry is the uh, personal development manager for the Societies, and she's got a really interesting role. And she's going to tell us all about what she does at the Societies and for the members, which is really fantastic. And we also have a really interesting uh, bit of the show where we start to break down uh, the judging process behind competitions and how judges are trained. So if you're into your photography competitions, you're going to find this really interesting as we uh, lift the curtain behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, and find out what makes the judges tick so um, without further ado we're going to get into the uh, into the episode so okay so terry thanks ever so much for joining us uh, on the show today it's, it's a pleasure to have you on with us um so you are the personal development manager for the societies can you tell us exactly what that is for those of us that aren't familiar with what that job title may be can you just sort of break that down for us simpletons there on the other end of the uh, of the uh, of the show <laughs> yeah absolutely um so personal development manager um is basically the title i gave myself just to try and sort of encompass what i do um so essentially i help people who are members um develop themselves uh in a sense of uh, i'm in charge of the mentoring program and the qualifications program and the competitions that we run as well. Um, so yeah, I just basically have a hand in everything that the members can get involved with um, to develop themselves professionally and personally. Right. So if a, if a member has um, some questions or some some yeah some questions or some kind of problems with with what they're doing with their work or whatever, they can come to you and you will kind of put them on the right track or give them some some careful kind of insight into where they what they can be doing to to better themselves within the within the the platform essentially. Yes, absolutely. Um, mentoring is a huge part of what I what I do at the societies and and what I help the members with. So so yeah, it's all about you know people coming to me, like you said, um, and me just pointing them in the right direction or giving them a helping hand where I can. Do you know what? I actually really like that because I don't know that we've we've spoken to a few we've spoken to a few kind of hosts or not hosts but members of different societies, people that work within these different 
groups, not societies, sorry, but, you know, actual um, other photography groups, so to, so to speak, companies and whatnot, mentoring companies, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really fluffing that. But you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know what I'm trying to say, guys, like different societies, different, you know, um, there must be a word for this, but organizations, Organisations, that's the word. Yeah. Right, you still will be Terry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we spoke to loads of people that, that that work within different organisations, and um, I don't think we hear much about that as far as the support for members with, within. You know, that's very much a, a personal support within this group, within this organisation. And I think that goes a long way in actually kind of it's something quite unique from what I can see anyway. Because if the other organisations do it, it's not something that is screamed and shouted about. I wouldn't say. So if I was a member of the societies, it sounds like a real advert now, doesn't it? But that is something that to me that stands out quite a bit as far as I know that I've got someone there that can uh, point me in the right direction and give me some advice um, if I'm unsure on, on what I'm doing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think, you know, across the board with the associations and things like that, I mean, obviously we are here to support photographers um, as, a, as a whole and uh, as a part of the industry that we are. So, you know, I'm sure if any member of any association was to reach out for support that they would get it. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about here at the societies. And it's something that I've developed from scratch. Um, the whole um, uh, personal development program uh, is, is something that was my brainchild and something that I'm still really passionate about, even so far as like I'm really active on the Facebook group. I'm probably the most active member of staff on the Facebook group. Um, and people are always tagging me, ask Terry, she'll, she, you know, she'll help you out. PM Terry, DM Terry. Um, and I love that. I love it when people reach out and I love to be able to help them um, point them in their right direction because it's, it's just really part of my personality. Like this is just so much more than, than a job for me. Um, and yeah, so I love it. That's also, that's... Sorry, Cam, that's also really good almost, free marketing isn't it for societies in the groups if people are saying oh ask terry she'll sort you out and you know it's kind of what they're doing they're doing your advertising for you there aren't they if they're sort of saying oh check out with terry and, and she'll be able to put you in the right direction yeah it's really I mean, funny just... actually how apologetic people are about reaching out <laughs> and i just say you keep me in a job this is fine <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. yeah very true yeah this is my entire I mean, job when, when you say sort of reaching out i mean just just for the listeners obviously i mean Obviously, personal development can can be quite a few things. I mean, what what sort of things do you help them with? Is is it the sort of the technicalities of a project, or is it more uh, the structure of of the societies, or or well, yeah? To be completely honest, it can be anything from preparing their panel for qualification submission, or emotional support in like confidence building and things like that. People reach out yeah. to me for for all aspects of their business. Um, so yeah, the thing that I'm probably most well known for is the the photographic mentoring. Um, so that's where we uh, look at people's images and we critique them. We give them feedback on, um, you know, exactly what the judges are looking for as far as competition and qualification prints, uh, and sort of giving them help and advice on how to improve their photography moving forward. So that's probably what I'm kind of well known for. Um, but then, like I said, I also have people who are members who are constantly on my radar of, you know, things like uh, they struggle with anxiety and they, they, you know, panicking about reopening. And I always make sure that I pop them a little message just to let them, you know, know that I'm there and if they need anything and, and encouraging them and things like that. So, yeah. That's really good actually, because I think 
<laughs> Sorry, Cam, you'll get your say in a minute. <laughs> but Put my drink I think, down. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think that's really good that you say that. You're there not just for the photography side of things, but for people that, you know, they're a bit anxious about their career or they they aren't doing so well mentally and things. Because I think that's something that we all talk about a lot more these days. And um, photography at times can be quite an anxiety-inducing career, can't it, really? You know, <laughs> I think, I think... It, it can at points for various reasons. I think um, being a photographer is quite a lonely career mm. um, because, mm. you know, the people in your field, especially those who live close to you, are essentially your competition. And they're not exactly yeah. people that you can go to with your thoughts and fears and plans, mm. you know, because because you don't want to be sharing that with with the people around you. So, yeah, I always just make sure that I'm available um, and, and giving people goals. Like if someone, say, comments on my Facebook post that they're, they're aiming to submit a qualification, I'll chase them up five days later I'll pop them a little message and saying how are you getting on how can I help you today you know let, let's do this let's set goals and let's smash them and for, for some people it's really rare for, for people to have support and and people encouraging them uh, and I love being that person um, you know and I love seeing people achieve their goals as well and that's the best part of my job yeah that's, it follows on to what I wanted to say actually quite well because we started this podcast or we'd started planning it I don't know, sometime in 2018, 2019 or something, we finally got it launched and ready to go. Um, I think it was sort of January, February, 2020. And then of course we went into lockdown and I know that we, I think Robert, Mark, Robert, Mark and I were, were quite lucky in the sense that I think say if I'd been a photographer on my own, I, it would have just been me, you know, yeah. and who would have I bounced ideas off or just spoken about how things were because yeah anyone else I knew or sort of know that they're, they're local competition, that type of thing. You know, I didn't know any photographers in the industry well enough to just be able to, just to be able to chat to them. And I think from that point of view, I think the podcast was really good timing for us on a personal level, because it also allowed us to explore other ideas and not just the podcast, but the podcast actually, um, you know, gave us different ideas to do different things, but it also got us to get in touch with people like yourself and a load of other people in the industry and some very, very sort of high sort of profile people in the industry we've, we've had on and we've built up really good contacts. And I think that, and sort of going back to what my initial question was going to be was in this last year, did you find that there was a rise in people looking for advice and help? Um, or did they suddenly just, did everyone just suddenly go quiet and, well, the, the one thing that we um, jumped on straight away was encouraging the members to to not do that, to, to not go quiet mm. and not to kind of shrink into themselves and and be lonely. Um, so one of the things that we, we did when the first when the lockdown first happened is me and Colin both offered half an hour Zoom mentoring calls straight away. Um, and we said to people, look, get in contact, give us a call, you know, even if it's just to have a chat or to talk through, um, you know, things that you still want to achieve and come on, let's, let's still encourage you and let's, let's keep in contact with you. And straight away, we were fully booked for like eight weeks, Mm. like straight off the bat, it was nonstop, um, which was fun with homeschooling because the kids had to be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) In actual fact, we've spoken to more members throughout the last 12 months than than I would say we ever have done before. Um, And and we've tried to be as accessible as we can 
be, you know, with, with regards to doing things online, online webinars, and just being generally available around the Facebook group, um, you know, for people to pop your PM and, and give you a call and things like that. So uh, obviously, you know, some of the members did go a bit quiet and they focused on home life and homeschooling kids and things like that because obviously that all plays into it but for the vast majority of the members um they just jumped on the opportunity to again personally develop themselves uh, we did things like discounts on qualifications uh, we upped the number of mentoring slots that we had with our um our team of mentors because um, obviously they were all at home as well, which meant that they were more accessible. And the good thing is, is with our team of mentors, um, they were desperate for something to do. So yeah. um, they they said, come on, right, let's let's get on this. Let's really reach out to the members and get them to submit images for mentoring. So, you know, I think we did two thirds as many mentoring last year than what we had done the year before. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. And certainly for for me for the last year, sort of on a a personal level, I think, you know, the the positives from it have been that it's allowed me time to sort of take stock of where, where, you know, I was at with my business and see how to move things forward, but also to learn new things. And we've been doing so much more. And in actual fact, I've probably been more involved in, in the video side of things and than photography actually, because that, that seems to have just been the way our jobs had been coming in. And, um, but learning that new skill set of doing virtual, um, uh, I've been involved in doing a lot of filming for virtual ceremonies and virtual events. Um, oh, wow. Again, it's something that you know I hadn't done before, and it's something I had to learn and to learn very quickly. And just say, yeah, let's just do it, and we've just got to crack on with it. And and so it's given me that opportunity. And now I'm hoping that I can take advantage of that all that those new skills that I've learned and really implement them in everything after after lockdown and when everything gets back to normal and so i'm hoping that a lot of other i'm sure that a lot of other photographers have learned a lot of new stuff a lot of new techniques and hopefully they're they're still still be around and have got through this sort of fight on a financial level you know to be able to still continue and to be able to use all those new ideas well we've seen um, an increase in the mentoring from people who already have qualifications but they're wanting mentoring in a different field. Mm. Um, so say they've got their licensed qualification already in portraiture, they've submitted for mentoring in landscapes or mentoring in commercial work. Mm. Um, you know, and I can think of a few people off the top of my head that have specifically asked for mentoring in commercial work, um, commercial photography, advertising photography, because that's what they've had to do during lockdown um and because our mentoring program is quite accessible for our members um you know we were turning around reports in just a couple of weeks um whereas our normal our standard turnaround time is around six weeks but obviously we were you know trying to help people especially if we knew that they were wanting feedback so that they could switch their photography um then we were trying to sort of get them done really quickly um and as far as I, i know that those people have kept up um that that genre of photography as well which is mm. absolutely wonderful yeah and a few have actually got qualifications in them now as well yeah so. that's, that's really good to see is uh, as far as yeah they are expanding their their repertoire so to speak but if i could just kind of shift gears a little bit because i like to i like to see about something else you do uh terry because it's, you do a lot of judging don't you is that right yeah and uh, you train a lot of judges as well yeah. so it's, is it safe to say that you are the judge of judges i'm uh 
Uh, the head of judges head is of my, judges. my other title. Judge Jones. God, yeah, that's <laughs> Judge it. Jones, Judge yeah. Jones, brilliant, yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to shift gears there and talk about the judging aspect of things a little bit because we have a lot of uh, listeners that like to submit their their photos for competitions. And we actually ran our own competition last year uh, for the first time on the podcast and we got some really good submissions there. Um, so as far as like judging goes, I mean what what is it well two questions it's a two-part question first of all how involved is the the training process of becoming a judge and also what generally speaking what is it that judges are looking for these days because we live now in uh the social media age where great photos are so easy to come by now on instagram uh it's almost like oversaturated with great great photos what are people looking for judges looking for that really stands out now from the pack as far as Wow, two very loaded questions. They are loaded questions, <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> okay, so um, as far as uh, judges and judges training is concerned, um, we have a two-year judging program uh, that all judges must go through before they join the team. And even if they go through that judges training, they're not guaranteed a place on the team. Um, anyway, they need to pass their assessments and things like that. So we run a two-day intensive judging school here in North Wales, um, we usually do that once a year um, or once every two years. Uh, really, it depends on sort of the amount of judges I've got on my team and, and ratios and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they do a two day intensive course here and then they must pass their fellowship qualification. Now, once they've done the course, they have to pass their fellowship within two years. Otherwise, they need to redo the course. And um, then after the course, they have two years of training. Um, online Uh, so that's um, a mixture of sessions that are designed uh, to give them practice with um, more experienced judges so we meet on zoom like we are now um, and we have a more experienced judge on and then we have a trainee judge on um, and and we go through images and and get them to talk about the images and and what they see and what they would score it and things like that Um, we also have uh, quite a rigid uh, scoring structure um, so we have uh, certain numerical scores um, set out for uh, and the judges have to justify the scores with, um, uh, you know, like how they're, they're scoring them and things. So if I was to say to a judge, well, why have you scored it that? Then they have to be able to justify why they've done it. So um, I think that's fairly unique to us. Um, my judging school is the only judging school in the UK. Um, so yeah, and we have loads and loads of people that come, um, and very few make it onto the judging team just because it is such a long process because it's two years, it's a big commitment. Um, but yeah, the, the judging team that we have now is absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, as far as what the judges are looking for, um, as I said, we have quite a, um, rigid structure, like a scoring system. So we mark our images out of a hundred, um, and for each, we essentially split the scores down into score categories. Um, so we have the ranges of, say, 69, 65 to 69, and then 70 to 74, 75 to 79, 80 to 84. So they're in groups of five. And then for each of those score categories, we're looking for certain things. Um, and that is all based on things like posing, lighting, creativity, um, post-production work, presentation. Um, yeah, so we have 10 
individual elements um, that the judges are looking for. Um, so we we refer to them as the 10 elements. Um, I can let you know exactly what they are if you think that that would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think our listeners would find that yeah, really yeah, helpful. Yeah, Amazing. Okay, so um, the elements are as follows. So impact, creativity and style, composition, uh, image presentation, center of interest, lighting, color balance, technical excellence, photographic technique and storytelling and subject matter. So those are the 10 elements by which we judge. Um, and they are um, not all applicable to every single image. Um, so the way that we tell the judges and train the judges is they have to um, assess which elements are applicable and then judge by them. So for example, um, one of the elements is creativity, but with a nature and wildlife shot or a landscape shot, the photographer isn't necessarily going to have that creative input um, into the scene that they've got in front of them. And also things like color balance. If you've got a monochrome image, then obviously that doesn't come into count. Yeah. So um, it's not a case of there are 10 elements and 100 points and there's 10 points of each element. It's not anything like that. Um, it's about the grade of how well the elements have been done. So say, for example, our licentiate qualification um, is a 75 to 79 scoring range. Um, and that is basically standard professional practice. So we require the images to have each of the 10 elements that are applicable done to a professional standard. Um, and then you move up to 80 to 84, and then it's like above average, then it moves up to excellent, then it moves up to outstanding. Um, and that's the one thing that we don't really teach the judges is um, what to them is excellent and what to them is outstanding. Um, so that's the only thing that isn't like a rigid thing because obviously we don't want to train the judges to all think identical, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it can be quite subjective, can't it, that? Um, yeah it's not um it's not subjective as far as the things that they're looking for in the image because we lay that out in the 10 elements but it is subjective obviously it depends on um the photographer's background and experience and um you know some child is screaming outside so i'm really sorry if you can hear that (laughs) they're they're acting like they're being like murdered (laughs) desperate to get in a bar (laughs) um so yeah um uh, so we as i said we have a two-year training process and then they have to do several assessments throughout that and then they have a final assessment before they join the team um but they're on they're on the junior team for those two years um and then they they eventually join the um the, the full team so yeah that's really team. interesting yeah it's really interesting to get that that kind of broken down because i don't think i think that's one of the questions that we've all wondered over the years at different points isn't it is mm. how are these images judged and i think it's good to know that uh, at least with the societies judging that it's 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 much more intricate and more detailed than you know someone looking at a photo and going oh I like that yeah that's one of the reasons why our competitions both of them the online competition and the print competition hmm. are are both respected and and world-renowned and people enter the competition because they know that we've got um, I have a lot of zero tolerance policies as far as um, the standards that I expect from my judges. 
Um, and if any of them are seen to not be upholding that standard, then they're not on the team anymore. Uh, yeah. And I'm kind of well known for. <laughs> for you are the judges. top judge on yeah, this, aren't you? Right. Right. That's it. Crack that whip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love people asking questions, um, and um, you know, I even love it when people challenge me on our judging processes uh, because it really gives me a chance to explain the the system that we've built, um, that I've built. And the reasons why I'm so proud of it, um, because it is so transparent. I mean, the print competition is judged live. So, um, you know, you can come along and, and watch the, the judges comment on the prints and things. And, um, you know, there's no egos on the team um, and all the judges, you know, get on really well with each other. Uh, and even that in itself is unique because, um, you know, a lot of competitions have judges that don't really get on and have agendas and things like that. And there's just none of that with us. Um, you know, I mean, even I had one judge, I'll tell you a story. Sorry, I'm sidelining. No, it's um, I go for it. Uh, I had one judge who was a junior judge. Um, they came to uh, the judging school and they were due to judge at our live event as a junior judge for them to get experience because that's another thing that we do with the junior judges we give them a a chance to judge live you know like in a live judging setting and um, we had a uh, a team meeting the night before the judging was due to take place Um, and it's a well-known rule with me that if you don't show up to the judges meeting you don't judge because in that meeting I lay down everything that I expect and things like that and this one judge was flying over from Italy and she's oh she's lovely you know she's she's so nice she missed her flight. Oh. And she Uh-oh. was late for the meeting. And I didn't let her judge. Uh-oh. She flew all the way from Italy and she ended up just sitting on the sidelines for two days and not judging. And then it was so funny because all the rest of the judges were like, oh, we're never missing a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even like, you know, <laughs> as much as I wanted to let this judge judge because yeah. they'd flown all the way from Italy they'd miss the meeting and you know i've yeah. got to be transparent and uphold those rules that i set so um yeah you've got to set precedent funny. haven't you yeah that's right yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna have to think of something like that so when so when cam word. was late for the meeting today you were <laughs> you right. were yeah. fuming inside <laughs> 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 um terry you were saying that you have the uh digital awards and print awards yes. don't you now is is and now regardless of covid you know but is one more popular than the other um I'm, I'm interested because obviously print i mean how many people now really do print stuff out and and know enough about printing something you know to you know to the standard of a competition you know being a competition not just a competition yeah. winner but a competition entry you know do enough people know about printing so um they're both popular but for very different reasons mm. um so there are some people who uh, i i would say the majority of people enter both. So they, they enter the online and they enter the, the printed. Mm. Um, there's there's a certain group of photographers who are members that I can think of straight away that do value the print more. Mm. They want to yeah. win, they want to win the print. Yeah. And the print is like gold. Yes. I'm and sure. my judges want to win the print. So um Obviously, we have rules set in place about judges entering competitions, and it's something that, again, we have to be really transparent about. Mm. Um, now, for the the live print competition, because the judging is done live, we do permit judges to enter, but they're just not 
judging their prints. Um, mm. And then if they get a, any print that scores over 80, even if it doesn't get into finals, they're not allowed to judge the next round. Um, so the judges know that if one of their prints scores over 80, then they leave the team immediately. Mm. Um, so all the judges want to win the print because, you know, yeah. that's... And, and there's the big exhibition in London that we do with the prints yeah. and, you know, everyone likes walking around and seeing all oh, the yeah. rosettes hanging, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but then that we have a group of um, photographers who, who just entered the digital. Um, mm. and, and you'll often find that, that those are the people who have material every month to enter. They're usually very busy photographers um, who just, you know, or almost on autopilot of okay that's a good shot I'll put it to one side to enter um and I can think of one person in particular who enters you know a lot of images every month and they win a lot of awards every month and for mm. them it's really important and they value it a lot but yeah they're, they're equally popular but for very different reasons um and and it's funny because the closer to the the print we get the more people say Oh, I haven't got anything to enter the the online this month because I'm saving it for the print. Right. Does that does that make sense? Yes. It does. Yeah. 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 Is it, it does. Is there a, is there an age thing involved here with the print or no. not necessarily? I mean, no, really not at all. No. Whether you tend to find it's it's older photographers that that prefer entering a print and maybe a younger audience that that just immediately thinks of digital don't, don't even think about print. That's not the case, no. um, as far as I'm aware. Um, because even, even if you enter the print, you have to do an online submission anyway of the file. So it's right. not like as if, you know, an older generation would prefer doing the print, um, mm. because there is an online element to it with regards to, you have to send us the digital file anyway, um, and sort of fill in the online application form and things like that. So, mm. uh, even though it's a print competition, there are still, um, online elements that you have to jump through in order mm. to enter. Um, but thinking of the people in particular that I was talking about a second ago that are like really for the print, they're all under 35. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I'm, so I'm not actually there. surprised about that, to be yeah. honest. No, yeah. I think because I, think... I, I think photographers generally like like prints. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think that's why we all become photographers, really, is to yeah. have that that final piece. And yeah, day to day, we all you know have to use computer, you know, our computer to see our work and all that kind of mm. stuff because of that's the way the industry's gone for a commercial side. But I think the actual artist in us all likes that, print, that yeah. final print it doesn't matter how old you are yeah, i think yeah, yeah. so from, just one other question if i may yeah. is, is there a difference in judging with the print and the digital because i mean one of the things that's going through my mind is i can't imagine many photographers have their own printing facilities especially when it comes to digital so you're you're kind of like if i was to enter i mean a print i dare say it'd be my local lab that would print it for me so yes. the, is the, there sort of elements of judging on the actual printing of it yeah, so um, there are a couple of um, elements. So um, the image presentation element for the print competition is obviously print presentation. Um, so for the online, it's image presentation. For the print, uh, it's print presentation. Um, and that covers everything from paper choice, um, mounting choice, because, um, you know, we you'd be surprised at how many mounted images we get with where the mounts are like cool mounts and it's a warm mm. image and things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then obviously technical things like banding and, and, and color saturation and things like that. Um, so that all um, goes into sort of that element. But then obviously um, that bleeds into other elements as well, like 
creativity paper choice could come into creativity and also mounting and things like that so you'll often find that with the elements and they're available on our website by the way if you go to our website there's a page called what are the judges looking for Mm -hmm. and it um it lists the 10 elements there um so yeah they all kind of bleed into each other as far as the scoring system they are slightly different so the print competition is numerically scored as i said in bands of five um five points uh, right up to 100. Um, now, the the pass mark for merit is 80. Um, that means that your image is going to hang on the wall. Um, and then the the pass grade for the finalists actually changes each year. Um, so it's usually the top 10 images in each category. Um, so obviously, if there are only images that scored 85 and below, then it will be 85 and below. But if there was images that scored over 90, then they'll be included as well. So whereas with the online competition... Uh, we have uh, two different awards. So we have a gold award and that is 82 and above. And the highly commended award is 78 to 82. So it's the exact same scoring system, like the exact same scoring structure, um, but the the levels are slightly different. So in the print, it's 80 to get a merit, uh, whereas in the online, it's 78 uh, to get a highly right. commended. So it's just ever so slightly lower. Right. Um, and there are quite a few reasons for that, um, mainly because we have to give a few things benefit of the doubt when we're judging online. Um, so things like oversharpening and um, compression and things like that obviously come into account. So that's why the, the scoring is slightly lower for you to get highly commended. Mm. Yeah. Do you have a separate category or a separate award um, for shooting on negative? Or do you get any photographers shooting negative or is every entry digital? Uh, we have a raw um, file mm-hmm. image, which is a straight out of camera. Okay. Uh, it's actually called in-camera artistry. Um, okay. So uh, any entry... That would be an interesting one to enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, any yeah. entry that comes into that, um, I ask the author for the raw file. And mm. um, the only thing that you're allowed to do on that is crop. Right, That's okay. it. But you're not, not allowed to do anything else. Yeah, but is anyone shooting negative? Is anyone shooting film? Do you get not, that at all? No, I've had a couple right. of people submit... I've had a couple of people submit qualifications. Right. Okay. Having shot film. Yeah. Um, Scott Johnson is one who comes to mm-hmm. mind. And he um, he submitted a fellowship qualification with images of Auschwitz. Right. And as far as I'm aware, oh, they right. were all shot on film. Right. Um, but as far as the actual competition is concerned, I'm, um, I, yeah. I can't particularly think of any now. So on the, on, on the flip side to that then, can anybody or does anybody enter anything that they've shot on a phone? Yes and yes. <laughs> right. Okay. And, right. Okay. Yes. And because we, you know, if you're looking at the final quality of something, you know that there would be something there. But I'd be interested to know whether. Well, I've got a sto- I've got a story for you then. Um, okay. Um, a few years ago, our photographer of the year, I can't remember what year it was, was actually a, an image taken on a phone. Um, and obviously uh, the judges didn't know that. We actually nice. didn't know that until um, after the guy picked up his award and he said, oh, by the way, I shot that on my phone. Um, but there's, we've got no rules against it. No. That's interesting. Interesting. So finish off on yeah. one final thing, if that's okay, unless the other the guys got something else to add. If I know you've sort of, you, you gave that list of things that you look for and that you mark and people can go onto the website and we'll put links out for all of that. But just very, very quickly, what would be, say, maybe the top three tips that you would give photographers if they're entering their work in the competition? Okay. 
Um, the, the first tip would be to look at your images objectively um, uh, using the list provided on our website. So print off the list and go through one by one um, and really look at the elements of your image. Um, the main thing that, that we look for as judges is impact. That's why it's number one on the list. Um, and impact, it comes in two parts. Uh, there's initial impact. And the initial impact is what makes you feel something. So, you know, it can either make you feel amazed or upset or happy or intrigued. Um, and then there's lasting impact. And the lasting impact is essentially the culmination of the other nine elements done really well. Um, because without that, the image won't have lasting impact. So obviously, as judges, the image goes up in front of us. And the first thing is that initial impact of wow, mm. or what's the story, especially if the story is really, um, you know, uh, obvious. And then as a judge, we start going through the elements in our head and going, right, how is this done? How's the lighting? How's the cropping? You know, how's the mountain? How does that work? Um, does this all work together? And then we figure out what to score it from there. Um so I would definitely um, look at your image uh, to see if it has impact, if it has a, a, a subject matter or um, a point of interest. Uh, yeah. And then one last thing is we like to see purpose within images. So when you talk about things like cropping, lighting, posing and creativity, if the, those things in your image don't have a purpose or we can't see that that you've done them for a reason then it starts to negatively detract from the image so say for example if you've done a really funky crop make sure that we know that you've done that on purpose mm. and that you've not mm. just cropped off the fingertips because you, you don't realize that that the fingers yeah. are supposed to be in um and, and also you know if you're gonna be really creative with props in an image then we need to see that there's a reason for that and that there's a reason for, for so many props and things because otherwise it just becomes distracting. Um, so, yeah, I would say those three things. So um, ensure that your image has impact and has either a story behind it or a center of interest. Uh, print off the center elements, go through them, make sure that they've all been doing really well and make sure that each of those elements has been done with purpose within your image. Yeah, good stuff. That's really yeah, interesting. That is, yeah. I, yeah. I think so many people are a bit fearful of entering competitions, aren't they? And think, oh, I'd love to enter. Do you know, do you know why do people are scared um, of entering images? From, from what I've seen is that people tend to think that judges are like these amazing, powerful, up their own butt kind of people. And yeah. they're not. Like mm. we, I mean, I'm trained as a judge as well. And we're all just normal people. And mm. if you come to us afterwards and you ask us a question or ask us to help you, then we will do. And I think that the more that we normalize judges just being normal people and actually caring, because you know, a lot of people seem to think, oh, the judges, they just, you know, got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. But we want to give awards, like mm. we want yeah. people to do well and we want people to improve. So I think once you break down that barrier, and again, you know, we were talking before about the convention and that social aspect of, of the event and talking to people, I think that helps break things down as well. Or if you just come to the event. And, and watch the judging take place you'll soon realize that actually the judges are really passionate about your photography and and they want you to do well so so yeah that, that's one thing i want to do is just break down that stigma of the judges hate everything mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, think, and I think before we move on i just want to say for anyone to listening out there is that when when the society show does 
happen again i think it's next year now isn't it is march, it is yeah. lined up for march. march next year uh you know the uh, you know we do it every year we 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 have a look around all um you know all of the displayed prints and the ones where we see the rosettes pinned on as well it's well worth it because some of those you know it does inspire you as, as you walk around and you look and and uh, some of the stuff that you see there is is absolutely incredible i would say so anyone out there it's definitely worth making a point to go along and and, and have a look at that so but uh, good stuff. So should we move on, guys? Um, um, Mark, something that I wanted to start with you, actually, because you said that because uh, it was something I saw on the news this morning. Um, yes. About the Mars. Um, well, it was just a quick sort of shout out, really, because, I mean, I, I think I think this whole mission uh, this it's, it's been extraordinary and in the, in the things that they've done. I mean, we, a few podcasts ago, we went through all the cameras that were on the, uh, the Rover, um, not into massive detail, but I mean, there, there's quite a few of them, wasn't there's like cameras that monitor on boards to make mm. sure it's not blowing up and things like that. You know, it's, it's all, all these crazy things, but today they, um, they launched the helicopter. Yeah. Um, yeah which uh, I must say I haven't actually, I, it was just, a, it, I literally just saw this before we were wrapping up what we were going to talk about today. So mm-hmm. I haven't massively had a great big look. I haven't seen any pictures from it yet, but the, the couple of things I did look into and it's things that I don't really think about. I mean, it's got two cameras on there. Uh, so one's black and white and one's color. Um, and I, I, again, I don't need anything else, but there's something else I want to talk about, which might link these two up, which I think might be quite interesting, but um uh, but the, the the other thing was so on Mars uh, the gravity I think is of one third of what it is here, mm-hmm. uh, but also the atmosphere on Mars is one percent as thick as it is here. So getting lift is massively massively difficult mm. uh, for this thing to actually take off. So they've had to downscale everything. So they made everything a lot smaller, so it's lighter. I think it only weighs about four pounds. This helicopter, wow. um, and. So all that equipment that's in that helicopter has been shrunk. And I, and like anything, when you think of NASA technology, it's always going to trickle down to us a lot, you know, the commercial and, and, and whatever. And I just, I, you know, just want to have a quick shout out really about how amazing that this is. And, and yeah. imagine, I mean, because you guys, I mean, I don't do a lot of drone photography, mm. but I know you do, Cam. Um, yeah. I don't know if you do, Terry. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, the thought, I mean, I, I've, I've tried flying one of those rubbish drones you get from, you know, Marks and Spencer's at Christmas. It costs about 40 quid. Do you know what I mean? And mine, they end up in a tree or, you know, I've, I've broken it because I've crash landed it or whatever. I just think, imagine mm. <laughs> doing this from earth. I mean, I don't think it's manually piloted, but the, no, it's not the, but yeah. the pressure of having to make sure that that thing flies and lands safely when you're on Earth and it's on Mars must be incredible. They were saying that it's not it's it's not operated uh, sort of you know from from here because I think it takes about twenty minutes for the signal uh, to actually go through. Yeah. Twenty minutes isn't long though. I thought you know I don't yeah. know however they're doing yeah. it that sounds incredibly quick, doesn't it? Um, but the the technology of that you were just saying, Mark, was quite interesting because you know a lot of space exploration, you know all the everything that goes up in the space station, and everything. Um, yeah. A lot of what we have in everyday life um, is because of space exploration. I think was it Velcro was one of the things. Was it Velcro? Yes, yes, it was Velcro. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. also laser eye surgery as well. Something to do with that as well was to do with some you know a lot of the research that was done up in space as well. Um, you know, so and you were you're right, and in what they're doing in Mars now. 
um, is going to filter down to commercial use. It has to, and then it, from from commercial use, it'll, it'll go down to sort of like consumer use. You know, so yeah. some of the technology that they're using there and the research that they're doing, we're, we're going to end up using that. You know, um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of big shout out to them. That's that's really interesting. That was, um, and I saw as mm. I said, I saw it in the news this morning. I think the pictures are being taken today. I think that's yeah, what they were which, doing this this morning. I've not seen anything. If they've released anything yet, I don't know. Yeah, which is probably why I haven't seen them. I mean, I don't have yeah. an inside source at NASA or anything <laughs> like that. So uh, you know, <laughs> he's off today. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take a long weekend. So oh, I mean, that kind of links into the other thing I, I want to talk about because mm. of the technology and and it's. Uh, Basically, because uh, the phone company uh, Xiaomi has released the Mi Mix phone, or is about to release the Mi Mix phone, and it's the it's the first phone uh, where it has a liquid lens in it that has three times magnification. Yeah, I read about this actually. That's yeah. fascinating. Uh, did you see how it worked, Terry? Did you look into how it? Yeah, I, I read. Through, I didn't understand. 99% yeah. So basically, Cam, the way it works is, mm. and I'm going to, like I say, I'm not very sciencey. Um, mm. So I'm going to try and sort of break this down as, as simply mm. as I can. I had to do it for myself anyway, so I could understand it. But essentially what it is, a liquid lens, imagine it's like a, a droplet of water. Okay. Um, in that water, it has to have some electrolytes in it so it conducts electricity. So, I mean, mm. salt water does that from uh, from a basic way of doing it but i okay. think they put something else in there it's encased in, in in an oil which is the same density as the water so therefore right. it doesn't spill right yeah and what they do is they put electric shocks into the water which then change the shape of the droplet Right. Which then changes your focus and your magnification. Oh, wow. And they reckon yeah. it improves the focus time so much that they could do it as quick as focusing time as the human eye. Good. That's me. nuts. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's, this is, and this is on a, this is on a phone. This, this is, is going to, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, think about the, I mean, this is not actually that new technology. It was right. invented in 1995 by a French inventor called Bruno Burge. It was yeah. the first liquid lens. Obviously, it's come on leaps and bounds since then. Um, and the reason why I wanted to link this to the NASA thing is I imagine the lenses in the cameras on that helicopter, they've got to be these liquid lenses just because of the weight, right? Um, but they're saying, you know, imagine in the future, you're using a well, probably be mirrorless rather than DSLR, but the lens on there, they were saying, you know, in the future, we might not even need tripods having a you know 200 mil lens. Imagine mm. that, like going to a wedding, you're not having to take a lens the size of your foot. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like <laughs> it, 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 the mind boggles the, the technology on it. It's incredible, oh, yeah. yeah. And who was the company that was doing it? Did you say it's called Xiaomi, um, okay. which is spelt X I A O M I. Right. Okay. Um, I'm reliably informed it's Xiaomi right. on how you pronounce Apple it. Apple aren't doing it, Robert. Well, it's not Samsung that interesting because Apple don't do anything interesting, do they? Oi! <laughs> <laughs> well, Samsung, Samsung are, have also um, stated they're doing one with the liquid lens, but I don't think theirs has the zoom. Right. Um, okay. Is I'd it, imagine, I'd imagine Apple are doing it as well. I'd imagine they're all doing it, really. Yeah, that, yeah, they're all doing it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's something to. Yeah, I'd like to see that actually. Whenever the, I'll have to look at the article to that as well. Perhaps we can put a link out to it. I have found the link. Yeah, uh, doing okay. my research on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah we'll we'll, we'll put that out there. 
but yeah. it's incredible stuff. Yeah, it yeah. sounds amazing. So I just want to finish off on one last thing. And it's something that we've spoken a little bit about before, but I wanted to bring it up because I was having a conversation with um, somebody about this uh, over the weekend, uh, another photographer, not not, not a professional, but um, just a, a really, really keen amateur. Um, and he'd, uh, I'm just going to shout out, it's Paul. Um, and <laughs> Paul had contacted me. We were having a, quite a long conversation that he was trying to, he was trying to something, a new technique with his using hand flash and, um, and he wanted to get really dark backgrounds and he wanted to use a burst mode and he was struggling to get the right, to get the right settings. And one of the things that it was the, the, the speed light that he was using wasn't, wasn't a Nikon dedicated one. So I think it might've had something to do with that, but we were talking about how to override things and, and whatever. And then the subject moved on as we were talking about it. He said, yeah, the, you know, I've been thinking, I've been felt a little bit uninspired recently and, then he mentioned that, you know, the better weather just made him feel better. And, and as I said, I know that we touched on this before, but I wanted to just bring it up again about how mood affects what you do in, and how it can affect what you do in your photography. Um, and you can feel really inspired or you can feel really down where you just don't have the enthusiasm to, to do things. Um, and then I was thinking about how we would, how we use different light to create different moods. Um, I'm not sh- quite sure where this is going, but it was to do with mm. how we feel and to try and take advantage of the different conditions that we're in um, to try and create different moods. Where am I taking this, Robert? <laughs> I don't quite know where you're taking it, in all honesty. <laughs> mood like, rescue me, Rob. Rescue me. <laughs> Some mood I think, yeah, I think what you're trying to say, Cal, I think what you're trying to say is that is that if you're if you're in the right mood, you can mm. you can you can you can be more inspired to take good pictures. And if you're not in a good mood, try and alter your mood. To, yeah, you got yeah? it. Yeah, that's alter right. Alter your yes. mood, change yeah. your scenario, change your circumstances. You know, whether it's go out for a walk, go out for a run, um, go for a drive somewhere different mm. to feel inspired again. Because we've been we've been locked in, locked up for so long now, haven't we? Mm. That we're all a bit mm. sick of the seeing the same four walls, and that can sap anyone's inspiration. Yeah. Is that Mr. what you're saying, Cam? Yes, you you <laughs> nailed it, Robert. And I'm going to expand on that now a little bit. Yes, so, please do, Terry. You must see it when you when you're looking at the images that you're going to judge. And I know that I've seen these pictures as we walk around a society show um, and some of the lighting that's created is, is for me is what makes the image so often. Yeah, absolutely. Lighting goes a long way to add to the impact of an image. Um, and that, that goes uh, both ways of using really soft lighting, um, perhaps on, on a newborn uh, baby, you know, creating that feathering across the face and things like that for this, um, like serene and calm. And, and instantly when you're judging an image like that, you feel it mm. and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this baby looks so calm and peaceful and warm. Um, you know, obviously if there's warm light versus cool light. And then at the other end of the scale, you can have these amazingly avant-garde images that have just this really harsh but but suitable um light uh you know going across it and and yeah it's it's actually um something that people get wrong quite a lot um i don't really like using the word wrong because i think photography is subjective and and i think yeah. that everybody should be free to um to experiment um but really harsh lighting on a newborn very rarely yes. works yeah. <laughs> um, you know and, and in actual fact lighting is one thing that i love um i'm really really passionate about lighting and different lighting techniques and um i like i just love it when an image comes up and there's a, a 
definitive lighting pattern and I, I can visualize how they've done it outside of what I'm seeing, <laughs> you know, so I can yeah. see where the flashes have been set up and where the softbox has been. And for me, I love that as a judge because it's, it's almost like as if I'm there when it's being created. Um, so, yeah, lighting definitely impacts uh, images uh, on a daily basis uh, that I look at, yeah. And I think now with equipment that's now, you know, much more readily available with lighting that we've got, there's far more powerful available lighting, whereas before it was tended to be more flash if we needed to do it um but you know some of the lights that i think companies like godox do and some of the other companies even mm. the sort of uh sort of lower priced companies like niwa is it niwa is that how you pronounce it something like that you know you can get all these portable lights can't you some very small ones that are just handle and manfrotto i've got one of those is you know the probably it's 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 about half the size of a, a, a mobile phone, isn't it? Mm, yes. That's um, right. And it's got a little button on the side. You press it two or three times and then you get these really bright led lights. Uh, I really started to use it when we started to do a lot more video, but I noticed how you can use, using those lights within, within photography now allows you to just play with fine detail with lights and really just, you know, if, if you, whether you're inside or outside, but you can create such good mood with, with, with the lighting is to use is by is, is to use that to your advantage. And I think a lot of people go out and they don't really consider the lighting, particularly if they're shooting outdoors. Um, Yeah. It's amazing the amount of images that I see that if if they'd have just used a reflector Mm. to bounce some of the light back, but what Mm. they're doing is they're they're relying on the natural light coming in, but what Mm. they don't realise is that if they just bounce that back a little bit and the chin to the side then then it would give the image more depth and and the lighting perhaps you know wouldn't be as flat and things like that so yeah and i mean i think that actually social media um is responsible for these lighting things being more accessible to more people because it's not just photographers that want to use them mm-hmm. it's a uh, you know people on social media platforms tiktok instagram they all want light you know the, the amount of ring lights that amazon must oh, have sold i mean geez <laughs> yeah. you know um so yeah i really think that social media is partially responsible for these things being more more accessible yeah yeah i must say actually i saw something quite funny on on the news this weekend uh, where his guy had obviously bought these two ring lights for zoom and he was wearing glasses and the and the two ring lights that he had lit lit him beautifully but he had these two massive rings right in the middle of, yeah. his, of his that's office. exactly why i can't i can't use a ring light because yeah. my glasses it just has like the the ring in the middle yeah, yeah. um so i've got funny. it a bit here in mine but yeah but he could have <laughs> lit it he could have lit it like sort of completely from one side just had one so he had uh you know like uh some light coming from there which would have maybe looked a bit creative obviously he didn't know he just mm. bought these lights somebody suggested when but we do just... webinars i like tilt my head down slightly right. to the side yeah. <laughs> like you have to stay like that the whole time yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. yeah but you know it's a good point because um you know i think it was i think i was sort of saying just before we came on that i've been involved in sort of quite a, helping with filming some virtual ceremonies and virtual events and some of those virtual events have included zoom recordings where speakers have had to come in and record and so a lot of it i've had to give them advice on how to light themselves about how to look better on zoom um where you know they've got light coming from a window i mean i'm sat here with this huge window behind me but i'm doing the complete opposite to what you should do but advising them <laughs> on doing it that way and the ring light is the most popular thing and and i sent a link to a couple of people about you could purchase these ring lights and they were saying they couldn't get a hold of them oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it's become a big thing for a lot of people lighting themselves correctly on zoom because they want to you know they want to look flattering 
and even mm. you know teenagers wanting to like themselves properly for instagram reels and yeah and tiktok and stuff like that i mean i know you know i'm sort of of the age where all my friends and myself we all have teenage kids mm. um and yeah their christmas lists are full of ring lights and yeah. and selfie sticks and things like that and you know it's all mm. about the getting the gram and and you know yeah whatever these Literally. kids talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we got there in the end, Robert. So you knew exactly what I meant. So I did. In a, I knew, in a roundabout yeah. sort of way. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Good stuff. Excellent. Well, I think we'll finish up there then, guys. Um, Terry, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today and talking with you about a good range of things there, I think, in the end. Um, we always go off on a tangent on the bar, but um, but I think we touched on some really interesting topics there, particularly the judging stuff. I think um, our audience will find really interesting because it's kind of, I mean, I know that you, you list this stuff on your website as well, but kind of bringing it um, straight to our audience's ears, it kind of it kind of lifts the curtain on, on what the judges are, are, are hunting for in their pictures. And really good to know that there is a method to the madness, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're actually very nice people, the judges. And they're very yeah, nice people. Very nice people. Yeah. Yeah. I put mean, that on a shirt, couldn't you? Judges are nice. Judges are, judges are people too or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for the opportunity because, like you said, everything is laid out on our website. But for some people, going on our website and reading you know, tons and tons of pages just makes it really overwhelming and not oh. necessarily um, makes them understand even yeah. how to sort of get on board with it. So I love coming on podcasts. I love speaking to people, um, you know, especially face to face and just explaining the processes and explaining that I'm here to help because, yeah, we, we do understand that sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. So if anyone does want to reach out to me, um, you know, after listening to this and maybe wants a bit more guidance, I'm more than happy to sit and chat to you. Fantastic. Brilliant. And we're going Fantastic. to put all of it as we as we do when Colin comes on as well. We're going to put all of the information uh, in the episode description so people can check out the societies. And um, yeah, and then I think we'll finish up there then, guys. So uh, anything else to add before I close up, guys? No, I don't think so. I'll let you. No, brilliant. OK, well, in that case, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of The Photography Bar. As always, make sure you like, follow and subscribe to the show and share us wherever you can so that we can together take over our very niche uh, audience of the UK photography podcast scene <laughs> that we're going to take over. Um, and guys, we're going to catch you on the next episode of The Photography Bar. Last orders at the bar. Last orders at the bar. You right there, fellas? What are we having then? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, um, I'll have a single measure, please. And Rob, it's on me. What would you like? Oh, cheers, Cam. Uh, I think I'll get a double measure, please. Okay, I do apologise. I'm slightly new here. Um, what do you get in that single measure? Yeah, I've not seen you here before. Um, okay, so the single measure, uh, which I, this is why I'm going to have it because I love it. Okay, yeah, so you get access to the last orders after show. 10% off all merch in the store and also access to exclusive patron feed posts. And what do you get in your double measure there, Rob? Well, actually, interesting. You get all of that, what Cam's having in his single measure, but you also get access to the extended guest interviews. So wow. for Ooh. £5, pounds, that's that's a real steal, yeah, actually. Because I know the cost is, is £2.50 uh, for the single measure there, Cam, and it's £5 pounds for the double measure there, Rob. Yeah, I think the double measure is really good value, that, I think. It? Do you know what? I think I might treat myself. I think I might go for the double measure as well. Look, you know what, Barman? We'll have two double measures, please. Two double measures coming up. That's right, guys. We're taking the photography bar to the next level. And starting in May, we're going to have exclusive content arriving on Patreon. So make sure you sign up at the start of May, uh, ready for this exclusive content that's coming your way.